0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christ is in our midst. That was some mighty fine harrowing. That was some very mighty fine harrowing that was going on. Could you hear? Could you hear the dry bones coming back to life? Could Could you feel the bonds being broken? And the chains being broken? Right? Could you feel the pain that Hades was feeling as, as all their captives from the beginning of mankind are walking out the door? Who is so great a God as our God? Who is so great a God as our God? There is no God as great as our God. There is no God, there is no religion on earth in which God himself descends to the level of his creatures to raise them up to his own divine status. No other religion does that. No other religion believes that. No other God even comes close to that kind of love, that kind of self-emptying, self-sacrificing, unending love. The fact of the matter is, we are deeply loved. How deep is God's love for us? His love goes all the way to the depths of the earth, all the way to the depths of Hades, to the depths of Sheol, all the way to the depths of our brokenness and our shame. And He lifts us up out of those depths. He took our flesh so that He could give us His grace. He comes and does for us that which we could not do ourselves. Remember the problem in the garden. Adam and Eve say, you know what, God? We'll take it from here. We think we've got a pretty good handle on this life thing. We'll take it from here. We don't need your help. Yeah, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. And we've been dealing with that problem ever since. The sin of pride, the sin of man saying, I'll take it from here, I'll be my own God. I'll have a trinity of egotism, me, myself, and I. But God gently and kindly and compassionately laughs at us and says, boy, it's getting crowded in the center of your universe. How about if you make a little room for me? I will come and dwell among you. I will take flesh and tabernacle among you, right? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I will show you my glory. Except I'm going to flip the paradigm on its head. Our Lord's glory starts in a cave in a manger where the animals feed, where the most famous guest was a donkey. His glory is shown in its fullness in the cross, the the element, the, the method of torture and humiliation. His kingdom is not of this world. And that means that oftentimes the suffering of this world is leading us to that heavenly kingdom. But we often miss the point. We're so myopic. We're so naive. We're so self-centered and wallowing in our pity that we often miss the big picture. We miss God's plan for us. We miss... The long play. This is what the Egyptians did. If you can remember way back to the sixth reading, Moses leads the, or sorry, not the Egyptians, this is what the Israelites do. Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt. And then they get stuck against the sea, and here come the Egyptians with all their chariots. Oh boy. We're in trouble. See, Moses, we told you we were better off being slaves than following you. Because of you, our workload doubled and we suffered. And yeah, eventually we got out, but now we're going to die out here. They have no faith. They have no foresight. They have no trust that the God who just sprung them free is going to deliver them once again. So what are they doing? They're wallowing in their pity. We wish we could be slaves. We were better off. At least we had food to eat. They do this all through the wilderness. That's why the people in that first generation couldn't make it into the promised land, right? God says they have to die off because they have no faith. And what what does God say through Moses? Take courage... Stand firm and see the salvation which comes from the Lord, which he will perform for us today. The Lord will fight for you and you will keep silent. The Lord will fight for you and you will shut your mouth and stop your groaning and you will watch his glory. The next word, what he doesn't say is, the next words out of your mouth should be the songs of the three youths. Praise the Lord and exalt Him more and more. The Lord will fight for you. Brothers and sisters, we are subject to sin and death and corruption because of Adam and Eve. And yet our good God, our loving God, has descended from His holy dwelling place on high. He has humbled Himself and taken the form of a servant. Not a president, not a politician, not a rock star, not a king. He came as a servant and He washed the feet of His disciples. And He humbled Himself even to the point of death on the cross... Because He loves you, and He descends into hell, He goes down and He grabs you by the hand and He says, come with me if you want to live, I am the resurrection and the life. He does that which we cannot do for ourselves, and how many times do we say, I'm stuck, I can't go any farther, I can't do any more, I've done everything that I can do. I can't wrestle with this grief anymore. I can't figure out this addiction anymore on my own. I can't reconcile with my neighbor on my own. I need help. I can't get over my sins and my passions. I can't get over my self-pity and my wallowing. I can't get over my pride. I can't do it on my own. Lord, help me. At that moment, the Lord will fight for you. Not a moment sooner. As long as you say, I'll take it from here. He's out. He just waits on the side. Kind of like a parent watching the kid you know play with the hot stove you're gonna burn your hand don't worry mom I know what I'm doing you're gonna burn your hand and then once the kid burns a hand like hey that hurts can you help me yeah I'll help you God is long-suffering and patient and compassionate with us he will fight for us but we have to be willing to turn over to him our life. We have to give control back to him. We have to let him drive, so to speak, and stop being the backseat driver. When I take an Uber, I don't tell the driver how to get there. I just sit in the back and I shut my mouth. And then occasionally they talk to me. I'm like, okay, okay, we'll talk. But I don't tell them how to get to where we're going. And so it is with the Lord. We should say, take me to the kingdom of heaven. And we should sit in the back and keep silent. It's biblical. We should let him fight for us and keep silent. And we should just throw our hands up and say, Lord, I can't get myself out of this. I need your help. And then all we have to do is take the medicine that he gives us. All we have to do is take the medicine that he gives us. Holy confession. Holy communion. Holy unction. The words of encouragement in the scriptures. I don't know if anybody noticed, but I'm I'm a wee bit excited. You can't. I don't know how you can listen to all these readings and not be excited that our God is fighting for us, that our God will deliver us, that our God will raise us from the dead, that our God has given us baptism to cleanse us from our sins and confession to renew that baptism. How can we not be excited? I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend all of eternity, which is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I don't want to spend all of eternity in the dark, miserable, lonely depths of hell. I would rather spend it in the light, in the kingdom of the day, which has no end. I'd rather spend it with the saints who praise and glorify the Trinity. I would rather spend it with the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I don't know anybody who enjoys leaving Plato's cave and then going back to the shadows. But that's what we do all the time. You know, I was a little more comfortable before I started all of this religion thing. I was a little more comfortable before I started serving, the, serving God. I started serving God and I had every good intention. And now look at me. I'm miserable. Life is hard. right? This is, this is what happened to Job. This is why we read Job during Holy Week. Yes, serving the Lord is hard. Serving the Lord is hard. Go read St. Paul's letters. He was shipwrecked. Spent a couple nights at sea floating on some driftwood or God knows what. Striped 40 times minus 1. They said if you got beaten 40 times by a stripe, you'd probably die. So he was striped 39 times. Right? Stoned. Persecuted at every turn. Run out of every city. And he says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live... I live for the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. If we want the life of Christ, we have to be willing to carry his cross. We have to be willing to accept some discomfort, some heartache, some suffering, and some shame. It's part of the package. But it's not pointless. It's not pointless. There's a point to all of this. It draws us closer to Him. We enter into His crucifixion. And when we can do that, when we can bring our shame and our brokenness to the cross, then, and only then, will we be able to reach up from the depths of our pain and say, Lord, help me. And He will grab us by the wrist, as He does to Adam and Eve. Not by the hand, This ain't no partnership. He will grab us by the wrist and he will pull us up to the heights of heaven. But only when we are ready to give up our control, only when we're ready to say, you know, Lord, maybe you should take it from here. Because what I've been doing isn't working. When we approach God with all humility, with all brokenness, He does not despise us. David says in Psalm 50, A broken and humbled heart, God will not despise. It's possible to have a broken heart without being humble. But we need a broken and humble heart. And when we bring that before the Lord, then we will rise. High. Exactly. We will rise way up high. Right, Olive? Very high. That's right. When we bring our brokenness before the Lord, we will rise... We will rise like Jonah from the belly of the whale. We will rise like the Shunammite widow's son. Right? We will rise like the saints whose tombs were opened when Christ rose from the dead, one of whom according to tradition was Daniel, who's walking around downtown Jerusalem saying, "Hey, remember me?" We will rise with Christ, but only if we are willing to descend to the depths. Of the brokenness and pain and shame they say in addiction recovery somebody has to hit rock bottom before they're willing to do the work to recover are we at rock bottom yet if not buckle up but if you're at rock bottom if you literally say I've got nothing left I've done everything I can do I've got nothing left I'm exhausted that is the broken and humble sacrifice that God will not despise. That is the point that Jonah got to in the belly of the whale. Think it's a little stinky in there? Right? Right? It probably doesn't smell good. And he's probably thinking, well, this is it. And what does he say? I will pay my vows that I have vowed. I will follow through and I will follow you, Lord." And he does. He also gives the most half-hearted preaching of anyone in the entire Bible. Half a verse. Hey, in a few days, the Lord's going to smite you. Good luck. <laughs> like, okay, he's obedient, technically. And then what does he do? He wallows in his pity again over, over the sh- a shady plant. But our Lord who loves us, loved those Ninevites too. He said, shall I not have compassion on them? I created them and their animals. Our Lord loves us deeply. And if there's one message I want you to walk away with today, it's that our Lord loves us deeply. He loves us even in the depths of hell. What is it? Psalm 138, right? David says... Even in the midst of hell, where my soul is, you are with me. Our God loves us because He is the greatest God. There is no God as wonderful as Him. He loves each and every one of you. And even if the entire world were perfect, He would die on the cross and be laid in a grave just for you. Just for you because he loves you that much. All you have to do is bring your brokenness and bring your pride, set your pride on fire as a sacrifice to him and come with humility and and a broken heart and say, here I am, Lord. I need your help. I got nothing left. And he will say, I'll take it from here. And then he'll say, here, come with me. I want you to listen to something, and what we will hear is we will hear the choir of angels and saints singing the paschal hymn, singing that Christ is risen and that death no longer has dominion over us. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that freedom and that liberation? Everybody wants to be loved. Psychiatrists' couches are full of people who have not been loved. Everybody wants to be loved, and you are deeply loved. Even if there are broken humans who have not loved you in your life, your God still loves you. You just have to turn to Him and know, and know in your bones, in your dry bones, know that He loves you and He is coming to get you. You just have to be ready. To Christ our God, who is the lover of mankind, be glory, honor, and worship, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is never shall we.